Hello friends, this is the Daily Edify with Jeff Lane, a place to get spiritually grounded and into alignment with the flow of love each weekday morning. In each episode, we'll focus on a spiritual practice, a poem, a book, a sacred text, something that can empower us to be more fully alive to the gift that is the day before us. Thank you for listening. Today's episode is about the book of Lamentations, a part of the Hebrew Bible, Old Testament, and the third installment in our little series on the so-called forgotten books of the Bible. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the Song of Songs, then Ruth, last week, and now this week, uh, Lamentations is on deck. Again, we're drawing on the book by Robert Williamson Jr., and I'm, I'm teaching this class at the church I serve on Sunday mornings in these days. Lamentations is, again, an often overlooked book that reflects the humiliation and anger of the people of Jerusalem following the destruction of their city by King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army in the late 6th century BCE, 586 to be exact. Uh, The Babylonians, who are a superpower of the day, were encroaching on more and more of Uh, Judah, the southern kingdom's land, and they laid siege to the city of Jerusalem for some 18 months before breaching its walls, literally starving them of of food and and water. So the book of Lamentations reminds us that there is room for lament, that anger is not just something to repel, but in fact can be our spiritual ally. Like any emotion, anger is morally neutral, and of course it can be used for harmful, destructive purposes, but it can also be used for for constructive uh, purposes in a form of, of release and venting and so on and so forth. The book of Lamentations itself has five chapters and it contains multiple voices, uh, recognizing that anger is necessary, uh, that hope is difficult, and that being together in community as we lament is more important than being of the same mind, you know, being being uniform uh, in the way that we speak about the impact of some some situation, some pain and suffering we've we've undergone personally or communally. Lamentations is is written from the perspective of those who remained in the land after Jerusalem's destruction. So they're literally looking out on this city that has crumbled. Uh, the temple has has fallen. Uh, the physical suffering for these folks would have been profound, but the community's theological trauma may have been just as significant. You see, in ancient Israel, there was this theology that emerged which basically held that since God's temple, God's sanctuary, was in Jerusalem, uh, God would never allow the city to be destroyed. Uh, Psalm 46, uh, for example, provides a clear example of this. Uh, It says, There is a river whose streams gladden God's city, the holiest dwelling of the Most High. They're talking about Jerusalem here. God is in that city. It will never crumble. God will help it when morning dawns. And so here you have Psalm 46 and many other places in the Bible in which this theology is propping up this idea that surely the temple will never be destroyed. Surely Jerusalem will never crumble. And then it does. And the world can never be the same again. Uh, in, in response to Jerusalem's destruction, mind you, many people do turn to this same theology, which claims that God rewards people who are obedient and punishes people who are not. 
call this the, the reward punishment theology. It's still very common today. And it has great explanatory force, right? Because it seems black and white. Well, if something bad is happening to you, it's because you did something bad. If something good has happened to you, it's because you did something good. But of course, this has obvious drawbacks. So many in ancient Israel applied this reward-punishment theology to, to the destruction of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar. Yet the Book of Lamentations, fascinatingly, remains uneasy about accepting this theology as an explanation for Jerusalem's suffering. Lamentations wants to push back against this theology, and so it embodies the struggle among these various voices, holding them together in community. So, so just briefly... Um, in the Book of Lamentations, there's there's five different voices that are speaking. Uh, the funeral singer, daughter Zion, the strong man, the scoffer, and the community voice. These are voices scholars have, have named. Uh, the first voice we hear is, is the funeral singer, which is in chapter 1. And this voice describes the devastation of the city in a very sort of detached manner, as though the suffering doesn't impact him directly. His speech resembles more of a, a sort of funeral dirge. Um, in dramatic fashion, this voice illustrates how reward-punishment theology can lead to victim-blaming. This voice is basically blaming Jerusalem uh, for, for being unfaithful, for, for bringing this on themselves. The second voice we hear in Lamentations, merging at the end of chapter 1 and into chapter 2, is, is called Daughter Zion. And interestingly, this voice very much pushes back on the funeral singer's voice. And it's personified as a woman as she's remained silent as this funeral singer basically is blaming her, victim blaming for her own devastation. Uh, Daughter Zion pushes back, though, and she's, she's not crying out for help or healing. She's rather seeking someone to take notice of her, just, just to look at her. And we remember that when someone's suffering, often they simply wish to be seen and heard. Before they can heal, they need an empathetic listener, recognizing that their pain is real. The third person we hear is in chapter 3, uh, called the strong man, and, and the third character is a little more compassionate than the, the funeral singer. Um, this is a sort of hyper-masculine, macho voice. Uh, this strong man has suffered too and says that God is the one who's done the inflicting, and, and for a moment the, the strong man seems close to giving up, but he's in fact no quitter, he's no complainer, grits his teeth, insists that despite all appearances, God is always faithful and the proper response of the community is to repent, to change. And so he's strongly affirming this reward-punishment theology, but maybe in a more humble and constructive way. The fourth voice is in chapter 4, the scoffer, and this is the hardest voice to like, uh, but this person too is in the community, uh, and this person uh, is has sort of a derisive attitude toward community suffering, uh, framing his observations in, in economic terms rather than human ones. Uh, also a believer in reward-punishment theology, the, the scoffer blames the people of Jerusalem for their suffering and has almost no compassion for them, almost seems excited by the community's suffering. And then finally, friends, the fifth and final voice, the community voice, comes in in chapter 5. And it finally has a chance to respond in the last chapter of the book. And it, it uses the language of we. Uh, for the first time, all the language prior to this has been in the first person. Here we get the plural, the we, the community voice, representing the voice of the people of Jerusalem speaking together. We might expect this community voice to decide between daughter Zion and the strong man. You know, is this uh, Jerusalem's fault or not? 
But the community voice, interestingly, refuses to take sides. It refuses to accept that some voices, uh, to accept certain voices and silence others. Instead, it, it chooses words carefully so that both daughter Zion uh, and the strong man can affirm them. It chooses to preserve the community rather than force a, a theological conformity, if you will. And so it's, it's fascinating, friends. This community voice uh, holds all the people together during this time of brutal devastation. Again, it doesn't demand conformity, doesn't silence those calling for reconciliation and forgiveness, nor does it correct those who shake their fists uh, in angry protest. It recognizes no single theology, no single perspective on suffering can hold the pain of this traumatized community. The last thing to say, friends, those are the five voices, but one more piece of Lamentations is that in its five chapters, it's really five alphabetic acrostic poems. So in the Hebrew alphabet, there's 22 uh, characters, uh, Aleph all the way to to Tav, and um, just like in English, we're A to Z, uh, so that each each chapter has, has 22 verses, and it's fascinating how each of these chapters, each of these alphabetic acrostics is sort of trying to capture the, the layers of grief uh, that, that a community feels in the midst of, of trauma. Uh, in chapter 3, the acrostic pattern begins to fall apart a little bit. Uh, in chapter 5, it's technically not an acrostic, though it does retain a shadow of the pattern and that it has exactly 22 verses in the end, friends, the Book of Lamentations is a gift because it's, it shows that there's room for lament. It shows the, the value of, of constructive anger, that, that the suffering of you, that you're experiencing is also in some respects my suffering, that we, we, we share, we belong to one another. We, when one person is suffering, all of us are suffering, and all our stories are woven together in a great acrostic tapestry of faith. And that gives, it gives us words to name this, this fear, and it, it will not allow us to forget. And so in all our diversity, Lamentations reminds us that we can give each other the space to speak, the space to breathe, the space to protest without losing our common voice, without forgiving, forgetting rather, our common humanity. So that's a word or two about the book of Lamentations, an often forgotten book of the Bible that has a meaningful word to speak to us today as we lament, as we feel anger over so many things in God's good world that are just not the way they're supposed to be. And we wonder how we can work to change them. Friends, you are loved and never alone. If today's podcast has blessed you, provided a tinge of clarity or some nourishment for your spiritual journey, please share it with a friend so that we can create a more inclusive community? Or do you have any feedback for me, any show ideas, something that was particularly helpful or something that could have been better? Please send me an email at thedailyedify@gmail.com. at gmail.com. That's in the show notes as well. I'd love to hear from you. Also, please consider rating and reviewing The Daily Edify wherever you get your podcasts. Friends, you are loved never alone.